Alright, so we have a topic this morning. Um, I'm still dealing with the um, concept of the death penalty. And for those of you who not, were not here um, last week, I started looking at the book of Leviticus, and I'll say a few things about that in a moment. And I looked at chapter 20, as God says to the Israelites, He gives them at least six reasons why the Israelites would have to kill somebody for a sin that they had committed, for an Israelite. And it's hard for me to comprehend that the God of heaven and earth as God of love and grace would be the type of God that would say, okay, you've done this, you don't deserve to live. You need to be stoned to death. I find that hard to, to grasp with. And you might ask the question, well, why am I doing a series on this? Because I'd like to know which behavior was so serious, was serious enough for God that He would impose the death penalty. And why? What is so bad that God would say, you deserve to die um, for what you have done? And the Israelites have to hold these people accountable who commit those particular sins. And I, as I said, I chose the book of Leviticus um, chapter 20 because we have all kinds of rules in Leviticus uh, that deals with um, just general daily life and holiness and cleanliness and our relationship with God. Now, the book of Leviticus, just to give us a brief overview, um, it's about what God expects from those He has redeemed. God has taken the Israelites out of Egypt, saved them from the hand of Pharaoh. He's going to take them to the promised land, and He wanted to make sure that they behave correctly. And so the book of Leviticus tells us what God expects of the people that He has saved. It's about moving from redemption, saved in Israel, ach in Egypt, to service. You've been saved now, so what do you do now? That's what we see in Leviticus. And from deliverance to dedication. I've delivered you from Egypt, and now I need you to be dedicated to me. If I'm going to walk with you, this... And it's very much the same as our Christian walk. God saves you from an old life, Egypt... And now he's on the way, taking you to the promised land. The promised land is heaven, ladies and gentlemen. We belong to God. And we are on this journey going to heaven. And God has certain expectations from us. If we are going to walk with him, there's a certain type of lifestyle that we need to live. There's a certain type of holiness that he requires of us. And I found this statement quite beautiful. It took God only one night to get Israel out of Egypt. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. And so some of these laws that we find in Leviticus are designed to cleanse the people of Israel. To make them different. To set them apart. As God says, I'm going to walk with you, but you need to be people that's aligned with me. So I need you to be holy. I don't want you to be like the people in Egypt who sacrificed their children to other gods. I don't want you to be like the people in Canaan who sacrificed their children to the, to the god Molech. And so last week we looked at the first type of behavior that God would impose the death penalty. And if you go read Leviticus chapter 20 verse 1 to 5, um, for those of you who were not here last week, God makes it pretty clear through Moses. He says, if anybody sacrifices their children to the God Molech, offer up their children in the fire to Molech, the community must stone him to death, must kill that person. And if the community doesn't, then I tell you, I will kill that person, which is, it, it, it's crazy. I, I like the, um, the illustration that um, Alfreda shared with me. The children are not chickens. And she, she said this in the context of free-range chickens. If you want healthy chickens, what do you do? You want good meat, good chicken meat, what do you look for? You look for free-range chickens, right? 
Because they run around in the yard and they eat whatever they want and the worms and stuff. There's no hormones being pumped into them. So when you go eat a chicken breast of a free-range chicken, it's healthy. When it comes to children, it's not the same thing. You can't just let a, a child roam free, watch what they want to watch on TV, eat what they want to eat, have friends, whatever friends they Let them sleep over with people that you don't know. You can't let children be free-range chickens because they're going to end up broken in this world. And the reason why I relate that to the god Molech is because many people sacrifice their children to the god of this world. They let the children run around freely and Satan just steps in and he does to those children what he wants to. And he specializes in preparing the next generation for destruction. And so I believe that God takes that very serious, the way that we treat children and take care of them because they are the next generation, because they are a gift given to us um, from God, and because they are a gift to the world that we give to the world. And so it's a grave responsibility. This is why I believe God takes it extremely serious how we treat children. Well, are you ready for today? Today, we're going to look at what he says in verse 9. Leviticus 20, verse 9. <coughs> Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. Because they have cursed their father or mother, their blood will be on their own head. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 11 says that there is a generation that curses their parents. And I wonder if we are sort of in that type of generation currently. Because what I pick up is that we have a, a large tendency in our world currently for parents to neglect their children. And at the same time, maybe as a result of that, we have children who reject their parents. Lots of that. Yesterday on the soccer field, I was talking to a man. And he, I asked him, so yeah, you've got, you, you got parents around? Where do you come from? You know, I always ask the, the questions that... Um, that many people find awkward. It's like, what has it got to do with you? But I don't care because I, I care about you and I want to know you. In any case, he was quite open. He said, well, yeah, my dad lives here in Corvallis and I haven't spoken to him in eight years. I was like, what is so bad that your dad has done that you have nothing to do with him for eight years? And to be honest with you, when I studied this lesson, there's a few things that I need to repent of in my life as well. And maybe some things will come up for you this morning as well, which will really challenge you. And, but I hope that God will receive glory. So definitely, I think that we live in a time where there's real um, division between parents and children. You might ask the question then, okay, I, I read this text. What does it mean to curse your parents? What does the word curse mean? I read up on the, on the Hebrew, and very simply, it means to show disdain for, to dishonor and to treat with contempt, to treat with contempt, to dishonor, and to disdain your parents. And now in Leviticus, God says, listen, when, when you do this, the penalty for that is the death penalty. If you see a child or a, or a young person really disrespect and dishonor and curse their parents, it's not like, um, you know, generally when we, we think of the word curse, we think it's just... 
saying a bad word to them, or, or we think that it is actually getting a potion together and going to a witch doctor and cursing. That's not what it's about. It's about having an extreme form of hatred and disdain and dishonor in, within you and outside of you towards your parent. In other words, having no respect for them, having no honor for them, and caring nothing for them. The Proverbs writer brings out two interesting passages. The one is um, in chapter 30, verse 17. Listen to this text very carefully. The eye that mocks a father, that scorns an aged mother, will be picked out by the ravens of the valley, will be eaten by the vultures. That is crazy. And what, what struck me when I read this is that it's, it, it doesn't say the tongue that mocks. It says the eye. Did you, do you catch that? And so the, what does that tell me? It tells me that I can look at my mother and father in a way that would invoke this type of punishment. It's not just words. It's what you feel inside. It's the way that you look at your parents. The way that you view them when you close your eyes and you think about them. What do you think about them? Proverbs writer says, well, if your eyes mock your father, if your eye produces scorn in your aged mother, the ravens of the sky must, must eat your eyes. That's crazy. Look at this verse, Proverbs 20 verse 20. If someone curses their father or mother, their lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. It's like, the punishment is like this. And, and I had to think about this. It's like you have a person walking in this world, and this world is dark, but you've got a lamp with you to give you direction. And God says, listen, if you curse your mother and your father, I will sniff out your lump, your, your lamp. I'll, I'll take your lamp away so that you are directionless, that you are lost, and that my presence is not in your life. And I think a lot of people in this world, one of the key reasons why they are lost, why they are broken, why they don't know where they are going, why they feel alone, is simply because they have cursed their parents. That's what the text says. So it seems like when we read these verses, there is a, there is a really serious look of, of, of disdain upon anybody who, who really dishonors their parents. And I want you to think about it this morning. How do you view your parents? Now you, most of you, probably don't have your parents anymore. And you might be saying, well, okay, but then this lesson is irrelevant for me. Here's the thing. You are a, an, a, and me. We are existing human beings. And we wouldn't have existed unless we had parents. We have parents for all of eternity because there's two people that has brought us into existence through the glory and the power of God. And so even if your parents are no longer there, you still have feelings for them. You still have memories about them. And I want to ask you this morning to think carefully, how do you feel about them? Even if they are dead. Because even if they are not here, Still, God views the way that you view them as something important and something to be dealt with. Because the feeling continues even though the person is no longer alive. Some of us might be very blessed this morning. We still have our parents. And we might still have an opportunity to grow closer to them. Let's think about it. 
as we go on. We might be able to, to just swap this around, and instead of talking about cursing parents, we can talk about blessing parents. Instead of talking about dishonoring parents, we can talk about honoring them. Instead of talking about disobeying them or disrespecting them, we can talk about obeying and respecting them. And that's what we see right through the Bible, because we find in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, where with, this, with the giving of the great of the, the, the Ten Commandments, what does he say to them? He says, you've got to honor your father and your mother. So it's one of the Ten Commandments. And Paul repeats this in Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. That's an incredible promise. It's an incredible promise for our nation. In actual fact, right now, if all the children in this country... All the, and when I say children, I'm not just talking about five years old, five year olds. I mean, the whole spectrum. If all children in this country would turn around and honor their parents, this will become an incredibly awesome country. People will live long and they will live well. Look at what the text says. You will enjoy, not only you will have a long life, you will enjoy a long life. Some godless people have long lives, but they don't enjoy it. But this is a promise that comes from God where He says that it will go well with you and that you will have a long life as you honor your parents. I read through the, you know, I sniffed around in the Bible trying to find examples of people honoring their parents. And I came upon two examples. The one is Joseph. Joseph is in Egypt. He um, has been separated from his, his father, from his siblings. And he is, um, uh, his, his father Jacob is about to die. He's very old and he brings his two sons, um, Ephraim and Manasseh. He brings them to his father. In, in other words, it's Jacob's grandchildren. And he brings them to him to bless them. And this beautiful, beautiful verse uh, comes out. You know, the verse before the one I'm sh showing you now. Jacob says to Joseph, I thought I'd never see you again. You know, when Joseph was taken away from him and in Egypt, I thought that you were dead. I never thought I'd see you again, and here I am today in my old age, and I get to see your sons. I not only see you, but I see your sons. And it seems like what had happened at this point in time is that um, Jacob had sat up from his bed. He's sitting on his bed, and these two boys are kneeling on their knees in front of him, and, 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 and Jacob is preparing to bless them. And as he's preparing to do this, he says the words, My son, Joseph, I thought I'd never see you again, but here I see your two sons. And then it seems like Joseph comes in, and he says the, and the text tells us the following. Then Joseph removed them, the two boys, from Israel's knees, and bowed down with his face to the ground. Can you picture this in your mind? He, he says, okay, boys, step aside quickly. I want to give my dad honor. I want to give my father honor. And he goes down on his, and, and he bows down in front of his father. I want you to let this sink in. D Jacob is nothing in Egypt. He's nothing. Joseph is, what, second in charge of all of Egypt. He bows down to nobody. They bow down to him. He's friends with Pharaoh. And look at what he does. He goes down on his face to the ground in front of his dad. And he says, Dad, I honor you. I think that's incredible. 
Another interesting example is this. We find Bathsheba. We know Bathsheba's story. Bathsheba goes to speak to her son, Solomon, who's the king. And as he arrives there, this is as she arrives there, look at this. When Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah, the king stood up to meet her, bowed down to her, and sat down on his throne. He had a throne brought for the king's mother, and she sat down at his right hand. This great, wise king, greatest king ever, wealthiest king ever, he goes down on his knees and he bows down. Now, I don't know if you've watched the movies, but if you watch the, the ancient movies, you would, uh, well, the modern movies about ancient times, you would always have a king and then his mother would come in and what would she do? She would bow down even to the king. Solomon's like, it doesn't work like that in my world. I will bow down to my mother because I honor her. And I thank, I thank God for these two examples. And as I was studying this, there were two questions that came to my mind. The first question was this. Why does God take this so serious? Like if you don't honor your parents, you deserve death. You curse them. In other words, you show disdain for them. Then you deserve death. And this is just my opinions, you know, just thoughts that came from my mind. Three things. If you can't honor your parents on earth, how will you honor your parent in heaven? If you, if, if, you, if, if you don't show respect for the people I've made your parent, then you show no respect for me either. Maybe that's one thing. Secondly, what came to my mind is, is the reason why God takes this so serious is, is to make their job easier. Because God's like, listen, I gave you parents and I gave them the job of doing what? Of raising you. Of giving you life. So it's our parents' job to raise us. And at the end of our lives, they will present us to God and say, Look, this is what I've done with the child that you have given me. They belong to God before they belong to us. And then thirdly, to pay back the debt. How much money and self-restraint has your parents spent on you? Just think about it. I thought about this for a while, and I need to tell you, my kids, they, have a, they must have a big checkbook. Those cats are going to pay me back. Yes, I, they've got a big bill coming. And that's only eight years. They're only eight years old. <laughs> they occupied my wife for nine months, each of them. They took my wife from me for nine months. They're going to pay back. They emptied my wallet for eight years. The, the wallet is gone even. They polluted my fingers for four years with dirty diapers. The smell of wet wipes I cannot handle. Because of the four years I had them in the house with those nappies. They've stolen at least two years worth of sleep. Now, if you work all of this out, you know, the nine months each for my wife, the four years for the dirty diapers, the two years for no sleep, the eight years for the empty wallet. I mean, that's only up to the age of eight. That's payback. Payback. So, the Bible talks about this, and we're going to talk about it in a moment, but it's an honorable thing to pay your parents back for what they've offered for you. I think it's the right thing to do. 
There's a video that I um, wanted to play for you this morning, but the sound was so horrible. Uh, I explained it to just. I decided to just explain it to you. But it starts off with a, 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 a old man, and it, it's his son sitting on a on a bench in the garden. And the old man, the son, let's say, is about 40 years old, and the dad is is probably 70s or something. And he's busy reading newspaper, the son. And there's a sparrow chirping in the bush. And the, the dad sits. He's not reading anything. The son is reading. The son is occupied. And he hears the sparrow, and he, and he asks his son, what is, what is that? And the son is like, it's a sparrow, dad. And he continues reading. About two seconds later, the dad asks again, what is that? And, and, the, father, and the son says, it, it, it's a sparrow, dad. And the third time, he asks again, what is that? And, and the son goes crazy. He says, Dad, what is it that you don't understand? What is it that you don't hear? I told you it's a sparrow. It's a sparrow. It's a sparrow. It's a bird. And while he's saying this, getting annoyed, the dad just puts up his hand and he stands up and he walks away. A few minutes later, he comes back with a book. It's a diary. It's a diary that the dad has kept from 30, 40 years ago. And then he reads... He tells his son, I want you to read this. The son takes the diary and he starts reading. This is what he read. Today my youngest son, who a few days ago turned three, was sitting with me at the park when a sparrow sat in front of us. My son asked me 21 times what it was. And I answered all 21 times, what it was. It was a sparrow. I hugged him every single time he asked me the same question again and again without getting mad, feeling affection for my innocent little boy. And that's sort of the end of the video. And then the, the son just grabs his dad and he kisses him. Sometimes we underestimate, because time goes by, we underestimate the sacrifices our parents have made for us. They've made huge sacrifices for us. And maybe that's what God is looking at when He says, listen, honor your parents because you have no idea what they did. I have an idea what they did. I know the pain that your mother went through when she gave birth to you. I know the struggle that it was financially. I know the emotional burden they've gone through, struggling, thinking about you, hoping that you'll have a good future. I know those things. So therefore, I ask you to honor them as your parents. So that's the one question. Why does God take this so serious? Maybe a second question. What if I had bad parents? And to be honest with you, I think most people would have a battle with this. Yeah, Machiel, I, I, you know, I hear what you're saying. You know, you're saying we need to honor our parents and all of that. Okay, um, But dude, you don't know my parents. You don't know my parents. You don't know who they are. And you don't know what they did to me. And I would say, yes, I don't know. But God does. And He still asks it of us. He still asks us to honor our parents. Why? We serve a God of grace. We serve a God who gives us what we don't deserve. And He says to us, okay, give your parents what they don't deserve. Be like me. And so, yes, in the world, if God is not part of your agenda, then I would say that's fine. Pay your parents, pay parents back for what they've done for you. If they, they've treated you maliciously, treat them maliciously. But if you belong to Christ 
and grace is what we live by, which is of the cross, then live the same way. We always say, two rights don't make a wrong. Right? So how does it make it right if I treat my parents the way that they treated me? So, sometimes our parents don't deserve respect, honor, our obedience. Give it anyway. Be like Jesus Christ. And then God will smile on you and hold nothing against you. There's a story of a little old man. It goes like this. Once there was a little old man. His eyes blinked and his hands trembled. When he ate, he clattered the silverware distressingly, missed his mouth with the spoon as often as not, and dribbled a bit of his food on the tablecloth. Now he lived with his married son, having nowhere else to live, and his son's wife didn't like the arrangement. I can't have this, she said. It interferes with my right to happiness. So she and her husband took the old man gently but firmly by the arm and led him to the corner of the kitchen. There they set him on a stool and gave him his food in an earthenware bowl. From then on, he always ate in the corner, blinking at the table with wistful eyes. One day his hands trembled rather more than usual, and the earthenware bowl fell and it broke. If you are a pig, said the daughter-in-law, you must eat out of a trough. So they made him a little wooden trough and he got his meals in that. Now, this family had a four-year-old son of whom they were very fond. One evening, the young man noticed his boy playing intently with some bits of wood and asked what he was doing. I'm making a trow, he said, smiling at his dad, to feed you and mama out of it when I get big. The point is, you treat your parents like you want your kids to treat you. I hope that one day I will have children that will not revel in my weaknesses and mistakes, but that they will be gracious to me. Know my mistakes, but overlook it. Love me even though I've made mistakes and mistreated them to some extent. So let's do the opposite of curse. Let us bless and honor and respect our parents. And I want you to just pause again and ask yourself where you stand in your heart with your mother and your father. Some of them are dead and you cannot make peace with them, but you can make peace inside of you. Some of them might be alive and today you have an opportunity to go out and to honor them. I'm going to give you six things. Six things that you could do to bring honor to your parents. Some of them you won't be able to do if your parents have passed away, but if they are around, these are six things you can do. Some of them you can do even though your parents are not alive. Number one is to forgive them. My first 12 years of life, I thought my parents were perfect. And then I realized that they were sinners too. Oh my goodness, my parents actually also need Jesus. That was an incredible revelation. That they needed grace too. It was the first time that they parented too. The first time that they had a boy. First time. Maybe grace would work for them as well. Maybe grace is what they needed too. To forgive is not to excuse what the other person did. It's to prevent their behavior from destroying your heart. And a parent has, because it's such an emotional and deep connection that we have with parents, they unfortunately are in a position where they can really hurt us. 
But the forgiveness and the grace of God can be so big that it can overshadow all of that. To forgive is to set the prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. To err is human. To forgive is divine. It comes from God. And it's interesting, the word forgive has got a word in, in it. Do you know what it is? It was two words, for and give. It's a gift that you can give yourself and your parents right now in this moment, and you will lose nothing to just give forgiveness. Give it away. I'm going to just skip this text because we're running a bit out of time. Secondly, speak well of them. I'm sure we can point out many faults of our parents. My dad gave me a hiding one day for throwing a goose in the air. How could that be? It was actually not a goose. It was a pick and duck. I thought, hey, this, this bad boy has got wings. He must be able to fly. Let me help him. Threw him in the air. I've got a hiding of my life. I don't know what my dad was thinking. I remember my sister got a hiding for climbing on the roof. Well, I climbed on the roof as well. And she still has the scar today as she was hit by my mom with a whip. And I think she still carries that with her today. And now we can all sit and we can think back to events that happened when we were kids and that made us look at our parents in a negative light. We can all be critical of our parents and point out some of the faults that they had and we can discredit them because they hurt us. But I want to challenge you to never allow your lips to pass negative thoughts through it about your parents, to speak well of them. Proverbs 11 verse 12 says, Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Negative speech belittles people. And you don't honor your parents when you speak negatively about them. You belittle them. And that's godless. That's not what God requires of us. Proverbs 17 verse 9, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Repeating the mistakes of your parents perpetuates it, makes it worse. It doesn't. It's not love. Here's the third thing that you could do is to esteem them publicly and privately. I have a saying, uh, I say, eat the meat and spit out the bones. So we can all do that. You, you, you take the good stuff and you embrace that and the bad stuff you kick out. We all can do that when we think back at our parents. We can say, well, here's the good stuff about them. Why don't we just... Focus on the meat, the good stuff, and the bad stuff we don't even think about. We just let that out. We can do that with our parents. And we, you know, if, if we look carefully, for some of us it's easier than others. But you might actually just find something in your parents that has blessed your life. And the challenge is, say it to them. Phone them and tell them, write them a letter I think if there's one thing that a parent would really like to hear is just, Mom, Dad, you have blessed me in my life. Thank you. Sometimes we think this, but we never say it to them. Proverbs 17, verse 6. Oh, I've already read that. Sorry about that. Fourthly, seek their wisdom. We honor our parents when we seek their wisdom through life's twists and turns. Look at these verses, Proverbs 20, 29. The glory of young men is their strength. Gray hair is the splendor of the old. Job speaks about, is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? I think it really is nice for parents when children come to them and say, listen, dad, I need your help. 
there's a financial decision I need to make. Or, or mom, I don't know how to handle my wife. How do women think? Or whatever the case may be, I think parents can add tremendous value. And we honor them when we ask them advice. We ask them for wisdom. Fifthly, support them. David throws out the psalm in Psalm 71 verse 9. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. One of the, one of the big challenges I think for, for older people is the fear that they'll be left alone. The fear that nobody will be able to help them. The fear that they will struggle on their own. And one of the things that a child can do is to never let that happen. It's an unfortunate truth in South Africa and I think in America too. Where kids would go, they'd drop off their, their parents at an old age home and that's it. Maybe see them once a few years until they die. I think that's godless. We have to support our parents in any way that we can. And lastly, provide for them. Give them money if they need it. I have a wonderful opportunity and I thank God for that. With us being in America makes it possible for me to help my mom and dad. So I send their money back to South Africa every year, every month. Just so they can survive. It's tough there. They have half of the day they've got electricity. Half of the day they don't have electricity. So the other day we man I managed to get enough money together to buy them a generator. So they could generate electricity in those times. Just so that their, their food that they have spend so much money on, their fridge goes off when electricity goes off. And every time it surges back, the possibility of that breaking the instrument is, is, is very um, possible to, to happen. And so just to preserve their food. And I find it the greatest honor now that I can experience this. Because I remember when I was young, my mom was a single mom. I remember her struggling month after month to, to provide for me, to provide food for me. I remember that. And here's an opportunity to pay them back. And Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy about that. But if we were as children and grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. It's pleasing to God when we take money and we help our parents. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith. And is worse than an unbeliever. I had uh, a parent, a grandfather, who was really, who made a very big impact in my life. He was a preacher, and his first language was Zulu. And um, I remember, I was told by my mom that when I was born, I was very ill. And my grandfather, she, she would then send me to my grandfather, first few weeks of life. And grandfather would walk up and down the night. And he also used to joke about this. They said I really looked like a blue monkey. I had a big stomach. I still have. Near the other day, said to me, um, uh, Dad, you, you mustn't wear that shirt because it makes your tummy look bigger than your chest. I was like, why don't you come here? Let me elbow you. So... So I've always had a big tummy, it seems like from birth. I had these thin arms and thin legs and this big blue tummy and a head. And he says he used to walk up and down the whole night, didn't want to sleep. And I was crying and screaming. I had liver problems or whatever the case was. And, and he used to carry me in his arms like this, up and down, night after night. 
And that, I think, created a bond between me and him. Uh, to the extent that I eventually wanted to be a preacher. And uh, in 2011, he got really sick. He had cancer. And it's old age. It, it is what it is. And I remember one day we uh, went over to, to visit and they wanted to change his sheets. But by this time, he wasn't able to walk or, or do anything like that. And I experienced the most holy moment ever in my life. As she, um, I can't remember who was with my gran or somebody said, please, could you help me? Uh, would, you, would you pick up your grandfather so that we can just change his sheets? And I remember going down and picking him up and I, I picked up my grandfather with my two arms and his head rested on my shoulder. And I thought, sure. This is an experience I could never think about that in the beginning of my life, he carried me in his arms and, and at the end of his, I could carry his, him. And he died peacefully a few days later and I believe he's in eternity with God. And that for me is the illustration I want to leave with you today. If your heart is hard towards a parent, let the grace and peace of God soften it today. If you have a mom or dad around, go today, give them a call. Do what you can. If your parents are no longer here, let the love of Christ cut your heart, soften it, so that there is no more cursing in your heart towards that person that brought you into the world. Forget about what they have done. Try. I'm the last guy that can make judgments. about. I don't know what people have gone through, but if, if, if God can forgive the people who killed Jesus, surely you as a servant of Jesus can forgive the parent who has sinned against you. And if you want us to pray with you about this, let's do it this morning as we stand and we, we sing the closing song.